that have to do with preaching the gospel? You'll tell you, I'll tell you here in a minute. I, I want to explain something to you. Um, like, like my shirt? Actually, it's not my shirt. It's Phil Crosby's shirt, but he let me borrow it. You know what? I, I want to say something about what Bethany just talked about. Uh, I'll let you explain, explain to you how that all came about that we're doing that this weekend. The first Sunday we did Amazing Grace, I was here preaching, amazing, the, the, the message on Amazing Grace, and my wife and her sister and her mom had planned like a girl's afternoon out together. And so I leave here, take all four of my kids home with me by myself. After preaching two services and all sorts of things. And uh, on, our way home, on our way home, and my, my, my girls were stirred about the, the, the message, and they're like, Dad can we like go home and watch the movie Amazing Grace? I said, you know what? If I can get your brothers to lay down for a nap, absolutely. And so we get the boys home. We lay them down for a nap. And I watched the story of William Wilberforce portrayed on a, on a cinematic screen. And by the end of the movie, my, and I've watched it, I don't know how many times I've watched it now, three or four maybe, I don't know. My heart was so stirred, by the end of the movie, I was bawling my eyeballs out. And I said, there's something in the heart of every follower of Jesus, for sure, probably every human being, that desperately wants to change the world, that desperately wants the world to be different after they have left than when they found it, for it to be better, for it to be changed. And I watched as William Warforce played that out, and he was an abolitionist. He... he saw to it that slavery was ended in his time, did everything he could. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you ought to watch the movie. It's an amazing thing about he, he sorts out how to follow Jesus. And my heart is, and I'm just bawling, and my girl's like, Dad, are you going to be okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make it and be all right. Uh, that net, we went to Connection Group that evening. I came home, and I had ordered some, some leadership DVDs that I've been watching over the course from, from the Catalyst Conference in Atlanta last last fall. And there's a lady from Hillsong Church named Christine Kane who's sharing in this particular episode I was watching. And she begins to talk. And I asked, I didn't even know what, I, I, thought, I thought the Lord's stirring something, but I have no idea what it is. You know, I mean, I have no clue. And I watch as Christine Kane begins to talk about this very thing. All by, I had no idea when I put the DVD in later that afternoon, that evening, that she was going to talk about abolitionism and slavery and, and, and human trafficking or nothing like that. And she makes these words. She says these words from the platform. She says, right now on this planet, there is more slavery now than in the days of William Wilberforce. And she says, on our watch as the church, and then she goes, and she kind of she just gets real kind of almost defiant. 
What are we going to do about it? And there I am in my bed, and I start to ball again. Lord, I don't even know what you're doing here. I don't understand. I don't know nothing about human trafficking, and I don't know nothing about slave trade. We live like in the, in the middle of rural Ohio, and I don't know what to do about that. And I'm just kind of like, ah. The next morning, Bethany shows up to the church, and she this is within 24 hours, like 18 hours when I first watched Amazing Grace. And then watch the thing. Bethany walks up to me, she goes, I'd like to have a meeting with you if I could later on in the week, maybe Friday. And I'm like, okay, that'd be good. And in my mind, as you know, kind of the pastor, I start running, okay, what she got a problem with? Who, it's, are she and Leah not getting along in the office? Or, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm just kind of, okay, what's that all about? And so we meet on Friday afternoon. And she comes to me and she says, Aaron, ever since we've been in the fast, my, God, my heart has been stirred about this human trafficking thing. And you know what happens to me sitting behind the desk, right? I'm like, oh, Jesus. And she's like, what's wrong with you? I mean, I went to, I told her what happened. You know what? God, I, I don't believe that's an accident. I don't believe watching that DVD, either of those two DVDs, I don't think Bethany coming to me within 24 hours of when I felt that stirring in my heart is accidental. And I think God absolutely wants us to be involved in the process. And so when she said, can we do something for Freedom Sunday? I'm like, absolutely. And Bethany will be, be coordinating some things where we'll keep you abreast of things that are happening, opportunities to help out, opportunities to give, maybe even eventually opportunities to go. She has missionary friends right now that she and Thomas went to Victory Bible Institute in Tulsa with who are in Cambodia. Cambodia and Thailand right now fighting this thing. So our hope is that we'll be intricate in the, in, in, in the movement to help change, reach those lost and hurting people she just described. That's where that came from. And I guess it's kind of funny I'm wearing a Batman t-shirt and got because that was kind of his deal, wasn't it? He found people who were in trouble and he'd go to work for them, wouldn't he? What in the world does that have to do with what... I had this idea back, believe it or not, back in when we were doing the fast, I believe, about this thing about our praise and our worship and how it's a powerful weapon. About our honoring of God and our, and our vocal proclamation of who he is, how it makes a difference. And somehow in my mind, I saw like the word shout with a big exclamation point and like that thing on Batman, you know what I'm talking about, the beginning of Batman, biff, pow, zonk, boom, you know, all that stuff. And I just began to see like little words, and I just saw that word shout, you know. And so this week, the next couple of weeks, we'll be doing this series. Actually, next week, you're in for kind of, kind of a different double treat. A guy by the name of Matt Williams, he goes by F.M. Williams is his, his name. He used to go to church here as a young man, lives in Virginia. He's going to become leading worship next, next week with some of, the, some of our team. And then Patrick's going to share a message on the foundation of our shout and uh, kind of give us some, 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 some food for thought there. And we're looking really forward to that. And then, then I'll, I'll wrap it up the following week. And I'm honestly not – actually, I've, I've, I've moved my, my message around like three times, and so it's really kind of odd. Sarah was praying in, in prayer meeting this morning about this being Freedom Sunday, and she knew Bethany's going to be talking about that. She said, but I hope well, – Aaron, she, she just right in the middle of her, she said, Aaron, you preaching this morning? And I said, yeah. And – she said, I just pray. I don't know what Freedom Sunday is all about, but I just hope. And then I started thinking about the content of my message, and I went, I didn't even really make that correlation until addressed in that moment of time. You ever found yourself, as a kid, I'm wearing this T-shirt and I don't know, because I would run around the house. I can remember my grandma got me a, an Avon Batman and Robin brush when I was a kid. Any of you guys ever have that one? 
Huh? Mark, my man. And I would run around the house at times, and I would be, no, 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 no. You know, five, six years old, my mom, my mom was like, yeah, he absolutely did that, absolutely. One of my cousins died, we'd be Batman and Robin, you know. And there's something in us that wants to be that superhero uh, who, who could overcome anything, and everything, who, who can contend in any circumstance, who, who was overcoming every obstacle, who, who could take on every villain and every enemy and see them thwarted. Isn't that what, don't all of us have kind of a desire to do that, to be that guy who overcomes? What I like about Batman is he's not like all the rest of the, quote, superheroes. Do you ever think about that? He has no superpower. None. He don't see through walls. He don't fly through the air. He don't, you know, he don't get, get, get metamorphosize himself like the Wonder Twins. Activate. You guys remember that one? Come on, you guys know that. He wasn't the Flash who could run at superhuman speed. And I mean, he was, he was just a dude. He had a little sidekick that was just a dude. But they were given some pretty incredible equipment that helped them do what they needed to do. Uh, not, not too unlike me and you. I find myself at times dealing with stuff. I find myself dealing with conflict. I find myself dealing with suffering. I find myself dealing with circumstances and obstacles. I don't know how you cope with it. I feel, like I feel at times those things hinder me or keep me captive constrain me in some capacity or another. And I don't know how you exactly contend with that. I don't know how I contend with it. There are times that I take off and I, I will jump in the car and crank up the tunes as loud as I can. Just to get away from it. Just to feel like that. Sometimes I, I'll, I'll go, sometimes it's eating. Anybody do that? Sometimes it's grabbing a hold of my wife's ear. <laughs> you know, you won't believe it. You know, venting. Sometimes I find when I cope with things, I just go into a hibernation mode. Kind of back off and away from everybody and everything. And further confine myself. We're all like that, aren't we? Don't we find ways of coping? Don't we find ways of contending? We all have a coping mechanism. The question is, uh, when, when we're in those constraining circumstances, are they ways that are really effective? Are they really things that help us get free from the constraint that we find ourselves in? Are they, are they really things that help us overcome, or are they just things that help us survive and get through maybe and sometimes not even that that's the question are 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 they are they are there things that, that help us you know there are ways god wants us and he tells us he wants us to respond there are things he says this is the equipment i've given you the this is some of the things i've got for you second corinthians 2 Corinthians 10 says this, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. 
in our fighting of strongholds, in our things that when we're coming against arguments, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. How do you cope? I mean, just think about that for a minute. What is, what is coping anyway? Well, coping, coping is this. Coping is a verb. To cope means to deal effectively with something difficult. To deal effectively, you get that? To deal effectively with something difficult. Most of the things we say we're using to help us cope through stuff aren't very effective. In fact, they make things worse than they are. Some of us, maybe we don't want to admit it, maybe you know, we, we can't believe, maybe sitting here in church or somewhere, some of us, we will run right towards some kind of substance. And it could be food, it could be worse. I can remember as, as Steve and I were talking about the situation with his dad, and he was having interaction with some of his family. A couple of his family, when they come to the hospital, like, I'm just going to run to the bar. I don't know how to deal with this. And Steve would tell them, you know what, it's still going to be here. You're not effectively dealing with that. We say we're coping. We say we're getting through, but we're not being effective in tackling that constraining thing. We're not really taking care of it. We're really not working through it. We're just medicating or doing something just to get by. That's really it. The word, I'm, we're talking about constraints. The word bondage, it, 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 how do you cope with it when you find yourself kind of, kind of trapped? It's a figurative word, a state of being greatly constrained by circumstances or obligations. Some of us today feel we're constrained by the circumstances we live in every day. Some of us feel like we're constrained by certain obligations we've made ourselves uh, 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 committed to. And we feel like we're trapped. How do I get out? And and we find ourselves trying to cope. You feel bound today? Do you feel constrained? You know, Satan's always been in the business of human slavery. That's all that he knows. His hope is to keep us chained and fettered. His hope is to keep us bound. His hope is to keep us locked up. And so today we're going to find out how our praise has power to help us contend with constraining circumstances. And sometimes the constraints that are placed on your life are not because you've done things wrong. Listen. Sometimes constraints are placed on your life because there's an enemy and the Bible calls him the God of this world. You find yourself constrained because he absolutely wants to stop you from being a follower of Christ. And it's probably the fact that you're doing things right that suddenly you feel this around you. We're going to talk about a a couple of heroes from the scripture today. Proverbially, maybe the Acts version of Batman and Robin. Two guys named Paul and Silas. We would look at them as if they are superhuman, superhero, but I will guarantee you this, they are just men. Read Romans chapter 7. Read Paul's words about how he has this warfare going on in the inside of him. Yet, he took the equipment that God gave him and he was able to overcome. He was able to deal effectively with the constraining circumstance. Acts chapter 16, let me give you some background. Paul and Silas are doing great ministry together. They're moving, things are happening. In the middle of the night one night, Paul receives this Macedonian call. He sees a man as he's he's dreaming. He has a vision one night, and he sees this man going, come to us. 
Come to us. And so Paul is right in the middle of carrying out God's calling, God's purpose for his life. And he goes to this place called Philippi in Macedonia. He meets a lady named Lydia. And upon arriving in Philippi, Lydia and her whole house come to know Christ. Things are happening, man. Things are good. He's following the work of God. He's being obedient to the call. And it looks like it's just smooth sailing or not. Because we'll pick up the story in verse 16. Verse 16 says, One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, after he's received the call, after he's followed through on it, after he's, he's, he's reached the household of Lydia, We're going down to the place of prayer. We met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and he said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city's in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to these city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into the prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon, and clamp their feet in stocks. Paul and Silas receive a good dose of reality here. We can buy into the fact that when we're following Jesus, things just are just to go smooth out. You know what I mean? Everything's just to go just whoo, Right? But what they found out here was that they were truly involved, entrenched in a spiritual battle. Yes, they were following God. Yes, God was taking care of them. But yes, there was an enemy who desperately wanted them not to succeed and not to be able to go any further. And so at the same time, we see great success and great obedience and even great power. We find that the opposition is very real as well. But here's the thing. The opposition that we face cannot, greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Greater is he that sent us. Look at this. They have ministry success in Lydia's family. They, they find things happening. Man, the whole, can you imagine what it would be like if, you, if, if right now in this moment an entire family walked up to this altar, gave their hearts to Christ, and we thought, wouldn't we? I mean, I, I would hope. I would hope this place would become, become unglued. I, I would hope that this, I'm talking Mom, dad, grandma, grandkids, aunts, uncle. I mean, if they, imagine if they were just, and all of a sudden they're just, I would hope that all of you would be like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's how I would be. I might even run a lap or something. I don't know. Because that's what we're supposed to be about. And Paul and Silas are experiencing that. And then right after that, right after that, they face a demonic, I'll call it a resistance. A demonic chihuahua. 
Huh? If you have a chihuahua, I'm not against a chihuahua. I'm less against chihuahuas than I am against cats. Just for what that's worth. That's not a dog. I don't know what that is. I don't know. You know, what does that sound like? A seal or something? What? And he has this little demon-possessed girl who just for the purpose of aggravation, trying to get him and everybody around him off track. And he looks at him and he says, okay, that's enough of that. And so he, right off the bat, he responds spiritually to a thing. He doesn't respond just trying to cope with it. And God shows up. And the demon responds and he leaves. But then it doesn't stop there. Because right after they face this demonic resistance, they face real demonic opposition. Because now it's not just little chihuahua. Now there's an entire, what's the word? Uh, wolf pack. How's that? Okay. These guys get mad because they're not making any more money. This girl was a slave. That's kind of ironic, isn't it? Because this was not the message I was going to preach right off the bat. I thought I was going to preach about Joshua or Jehoshaphat, the first message of the series. And I didn't even think about the connection, honestly, until Sarah prayed this morning. I, I didn't even, I just, now we've got a little slave girl involved in our story. It's Freedom Sunday, okay? How is that? I don't know how that's possible. I didn't do that, honestly. A little slave girl, they're mad because they're not going to make any money off of her anymore. They incite a riot, not only of all the common people in the marketplace, they bring in the city officials. And then there's one for real. It's like being in Wisconsin. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and they find real opposition, and they find the government intervening in the middle of what they're trying to accomplish for the cause of Christ. They find themselves physically punished. They find themselves imprisoned, and they find that it's not just a prison, it's the dungeon and it's stocks. That means they're in the very innermost, 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 innermost part of the prison. And not only do they don't trust them that far, they have chained them down. I remember when my family used to take me when I was a kid. We go to all those like Civil War and Revolutionary War places, Williamsburg and all those places. And they had like those stocks out there in the middle of one of those places. Remember that? You put your feet and your arms and you're just... There is Paul and Silas. Let me ask you. What's your, you, you have this day that we just described. What's your instinctive response? Oh, but God, we were following you. How could you let this happen to us? Is that yours? Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. Right? Isn't that how, isn't that how, we, would, isn't that how we would respond? But God, I was doing what you told me to do. Isn't that right? Let me explain something to you. Read the Bible. That's a good place to start. Okay? Read the Bible. No place, listen to me, no place will you find somebody who's really following Jesus who finds that life is comfortable and easy. I mean, start clear back in the back. Start in Genesis and start reading. Look at the life of Abraham. Look at the life of Jacob. Look at the life of Moses. Start looking, and if you can find for me where God promises life is going to be smooth as silk and there's not going to be nothing uncomfortable going, let me know. 
Now, does God promise us that he will see us through every problem? Absolutely. Does he promise us he'll, he'll provide us with blessing and favor and things like that? Absolutely. But he nowhere ever, any place in the scripture, promises us things are going to flow smooth as silk. Ooh, we're just going to slip slide everywhere. Never. And Paul and Silas are following the call of God. They're doing great ministry. And right in the middle of the battle, Satan shows up right in the middle of that, that amazing thing. You are in a spiritual battle. You need a good dose of reality about that. But here's the thing. Greater is he that's in you. What is your instinctive response? What is your instinctive response to trial, to tribulation, to trouble? Is it complaining and aggravating and discouragement? Is it what is it? Because we'll find that these guys who are heroes of faith, being as normal as we are, whatever that is, human as we are, they didn't use their human weaponry to fight this battle. They used the spiritual weaponry. It's like, you ever notice Batman had that one belt thing? And it didn't make any difference what he found himself in. Alfred had supplied something on that belt that was going to get him out of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, as followers of Christ, have been given a whole armament of things. And there's, God has provided something to help you not just cope, like we think cope, but cope, like what really cope means, to deal effectively with difficulty, to overcome constraining circumstances. And one of the things he's given you is a heart and an attitude of prayer and praise and worship to our God. He hopes there's a shout on the inside of you. Billy Sunday's a preacher. He used to be a professional, professional baseball player. He's dead now. But he, he got saved and lived a, a, rock, a raucous, crazy lifestyle. Got saved gloriously. One day he's preaching. And he was like, I, the way I understand, I never got to hear, hear him preach, but he was preaching, and he was kind of quite a, he, did, he didn't make no bones about stuff. He would quite often make people mad. And in the course of one of his messages, people start chucking stuff at him. One time, here comes this egg flying at him, and he ducks. There's a deacon sitting in the, That deacon gets hit with the, with the egg. And Billy said he also had a stuttering problem beyond all that. He was a preacher and had a stuttering problem. Talk about, talk about having trust in the power of God. Then he ducks. Bam, that egg takes out that, that, that deacon. And that deacon automatically just goes right to cussing. Whew. Billy still keeps on preaching. Bam, didn't get a chance to duck off of that one. Bam, hits him. And the minute that thing hits him, he just starts dancing the jig like, oh, yeah, Lord Jesus. After the service, the deacon walks up to him. He says, what just happened there? He said, why, when you got hit with the egg, did you dance and praise Jesus? And why, when I got hit with the egg, did I go to cussing? Billy Sunday's response was as simple as it could be. He stuttered a little bit, so don't, don't, don't. Well, 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 well. I, I, you, 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 you got to cuss in you. And when that egg hit you, it knocked the cuss out of you. I got to praise in me. 
And when that egg hit me, it knocked the praise out of me. When Satan comes at you with both fists, what's in is going to come out. And if you believe God's giving you the armament and the weaponry to get through, what's in is going to come out. If you haven't bothered to put that praise on the inside of you, if you haven't bothered to spend time with the God that the, the, the Scripture tells us about, if you haven't, if you haven't put, spent your time loving Him and trusting Him and looking to Him, when opposition comes, the cuss is going to come out of you. But listen, if you spend time doing this, when opposition comes, it's going to knock the praise out of you. It's going to knock the praise out of me too. That's good. Paul and Silas are in jail. And the scriptures say in 1625, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Think about this circumstance for just a minute. Think about where they were. They were in the deepest dungeon. They faced intense, not just a little bit of opposition. Somebody at work didn't just give them what for because they're bringing their Bible to work. They're beat with rods. They are stripped and all sorts of craziness happens. They're mobbed, literally. They face physical affliction and exhaustion. At midnight, they're doing this. In the middle of the night, when it's darkest, what is their instinctive response? Singing and praying loudly. I bet they were shouting. You know why I think that? Almost like Boy Sunday, didn't I? Shouting. I wish there was an exclamation point there. Because there's a pop in that. The rest of the prisoners are listening. And Paul and Silas are singing praise unto their, unto their God. Think about this. I found this in, in, in a commentary. Instead of complaining or calling on God to judge their enemies, the two men praised, prayed and praised God. When you are in pain, the midnight hour is not the easiest time for a sacred concert, but God gives songs in the night. Any fool can sing in the day, said Charles Haddon Spurgeon. It's easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight, but the skillful, skillful singer is he who can sing when there is not a ray of light to read by. Songs in the night come only from God. They are not in the power of men. Prayer and praise are powerful weapons commentator writes we think sometimes that being effective at what God has called us to do means we're smooth sailing but it's not do you pray and prayer and praise immediately it reminds me of Psalm 108 consider this Psalm 108 1 David writes my heart is confident in you oh God no wonder I can sing your praise with all my heart Wake up, lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. For your unfailing love is higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine all over all the earth. David writes these words, and it's prior to his deliverance. It's prior to his answer coming. It's prior to, to God doing what Because the next line says, Now rescue your beloved people. Answer and save us by your power. David utters those first words in verse 1, comes to verse 2, and is like, God, show yourself strong, as in verse 4. Verse 12 says, oh, please help us against our enemies, for our, all human help is useless. 
With God's help, we'll do mighty things, for he will trample down our foes. Jameson Fawcett and Brown put in their commentary this. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises, literally praying and were singing praises. That is, while engaged in pouring out their hearts in prayer, had broke forth into singing and were hymning loudly their joy. As the words here employed is that they used to denote the, the hymn that was sung by the Lord and his disciples after the Passover, Matthew 26, in which we know to have consisted of Psalm 113, which was chanted at the festival. Now listen, though their bodies were bleeding and torturing the stocks, their spirits under the exp- Expulsive power of a new affection rose above suffering and made the prison walls resound with their song. In these midnight hymns by the imprisoned witnesses for Jesus Christ, the whole might of Roman injustice and violence against the church is not only set at naught, but converted into a foil to set forth more completely the majesty and spiritual power of the church was which as yet the world knew nothing of. In that moment, not only did God thwart The chains and the physical bondage, literally God overcame the entirety of the Roman rule in that moment. Woo! Woo! That's power. That's strong. There is power when we praise God made available to us. There is power when out of not out of out of things being great, but out of things being normal, which is where Shirley at? Shirley talked about it raining on the just and the unjust, didn't she? There's power when we can come to Christ in the middle of our darkest and not complain and not groan and not ask God to throw down lightning bolts on those who afflict us, but in all adoration and love and affection towards Him can go, Jesus, you are still awesome. You are still great. You are still loving. I give you everything I am again today. If you never do anything else for me, you've already done enough. I'm going to worship and honor and praise you with all of my guts because you know what? You're amazing. Want to read this psalm, parts of this psalm, that, this, this hymn that they read? Psalm 113 says, Praise the Lord. Yes, give praise to the servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. There's all exclamation points everywhere. Blessed be the name of the Lord now and forever. Everywhere from east to west. You know what he's saying? Whatever's going on. Whatever your now is, good or bad, praise God. Wherever you find yourself, from east to west, whatever location, whatever circumstance, give him all you got. Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down low to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. And he puts an exclamation point there. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. How kind the Lord is. How good he is. So merciful, this God of ours. Psalm 118, still part of that hymn they were singing. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can man or mere people do? do to me. Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Wow. Wow. You know what? They get a 
They get a good dose of reality. They offer a godly response. And then they get amazing, God-sized results. What happens next? Let's read Acts 16. Start at verse 20, 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. Verse 40, when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. And they left town. So what happens? What are these God-sized results? Earthquake. God shook the earth in response to their praise and worship unto him. Doors fling open. They, they receive freedom physically. Doors fling open. Chains fall off. Things happen. They physically understand that God has set them free. And then out of that, salvation comes. This jailer doesn't know what to do. He thinks he's going to die because if a prisoner escapes on his watch, whatever punishment that prisoner had coming is what that jailer gets. And with the whole prison completely racked, there were murderers in there who were facing a death sentence. So the jailer knows it's, it's coming down. I'm about. And somehow the power of God was so upon Paul and Silas that the rest of the prisoners listened to whatever they had to say. And everybody stayed in the prison, though they were free. And then God shows up big time, saves the jailer, saves his house. They all get baptized. They minister to Paul and Silas's needs. Think about that. And then the government officials let them go. And then encouragement. They, they stay and encourage. They're freed legally and encouragement for all the believers. A new church is birthed in Philippi. Starts in the home of Lydia. Think about that. Think about that. It could be that you're facing opposition because God intends to show himself more greatly in, the, in your life than he ever has an opportunity to before. And maybe you're complaining and your frustration and your belly aching is ex having exactly the opposite effect of what you want. Maybe it's time this morning in the face of whatever frustration you're contending with, whatever opposition you're contending with, whatever thing is going on, for you to turn that thing around and give it to Jesus and praise him in spite of the problem, in spite of the circumstance, in spite of the frustration. 
David writes in Psalm 42, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides move over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I will sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Why are you discouraged? Why are you frustrated? Why are you cast down? Is your God not for you? Are you not aligned yourself in the armies of God? Do you forget that there's a spiritual battle you're entrenched in? You are in a spiritual battle. Do not lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of the fact that this is warfare we're entrenched in. We are not just involved in religious activity. We, are involved, we have aligned ourselves on the winning team, and yet there's a battle to be fought and a battle to be won and a war that is already won that we're in. Don't give in and don't give up. Your shout will bring freedom. And your praise will bring the opportunity for salvation Maybe for those in your own house. Maybe for a neighbor of yours. Maybe for your, somebody in your community or in your workplace. Maybe somebody near you needs to see a godly person respond to opposition with grace and joy and hope and life. Maybe, just maybe, the fact that you would choose not to complain and you would choose to pray instead and praise instead would open the door for a family who's yet to see the grace of God manifest in their lives. I know normally at this time, we'd ask for leaders to come. We'd ask, we'd give you opportunity to pray with someone. Do you know think it's necessary right now? I think it's necessary to make a conscious decision. How many of y'all face a difficulty right now? Some got something going on. I mean, feel like you were walking with Jesus and all of a sudden Satan come up and just sucker punched you right in the mouth. And things were going good. Did you jump back and retreat? Today's the day to step forward. Shake the chains off. Rattle the walls a little bit. Bust the doors open. Can you do that? In your praise is the power to unleash the chains. In your praise is the power to overcome the constraint. In the praise of our God and Savior who is everything to us. It's not about, listen to me, it's not about us. This is weaponry he's given us. This is things he's given us. When we respond in faith to what he's given us, he meets us. And so right now, in this moment, I want you to do something. I've asked Patrick, he didn't know he was going to do this to write a meet and greet. I want you to stand. If you're facing something, I want you in this time of, I want you to do what Paul and Silas did. Maybe it's midnight for you. Maybe it's dark. Maybe you're weary and exhausted. Maybe you feel beat up and hounded and all of that stuff. What I encourage you is this. I can see Paul trying to get his hands up with those chains locked on him. I can see his mouth lifted up towards heaven, his head, like Charlie Brown. Remember when Charlie Brown... He'd scream and his whole head would be engulfed by his mouth. Remember that? He's just singing to Jesus. Can you do that?
Do you have the praise in you or do you have the cuss in you? What is it? Patrick, in this moment, I guarantee you, because it's the Word of God, if you will worship Jesus, the chains can fall off. The constraints can be released. And life can go on. But you got to do what Paul and Silas did and respond spiritually, not humanly. Amen? Let's sing. Give whatever this circumstance is to Jesus right now.